today we, we, we end, um, not the series, because we're going we're gonna to kind of summarize it next week, but we, we, uh, we're going to lean into the last line today. We've been focusing on a line a week, a section of the prayer a week, and this is the line we, we finish with um, particularly, and it's the last line of the prayer, and it says this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I kind of, I read a whole bunch of different versions of this this week and different Bible translations and read some commentaries and looked at some original language stuff. And I, I, put, I put it together this way. And so I, I wrote it a little bit differently. It's the next slide on the screen. And so I want to read it this way. And remember, when we pray this prayer, we're, we're always praying to God, our Father. So I want us to start reading this just, again, just putting the word Father in front of that as we're reading this. So let's read this line together. Father, don't lead us into trial, but rescue us from the evil one. One more time. Father, don't lead us into trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Just keep that in your minds as we continue today. About 25 years ago was the first time I, was, I ever, ever stepped into a blood donor clinic. Has anybody given blood over the course of their... Okay, hopefully it was voluntary, right? And so... so um, uh, or, or a necessary medical need. And I, was, I've never, I never gave blood up until this point. I don't know why. I was in, uh, I was in school in, in Ontario and uh, at Bible school, Bible college there. And I remember they were announcing this blood donor clinic and I was so excited. I thought, awesome, I'm gonna try this. I hate needles, I hate pain, but I'm gonna try this. And I was excited for this noble act of liquidating a pint of my blood into a bag so someone else can benefit from it. That's basically what you're doing. And apparently I have this blood that's apparently neutral so more than one person can use it. So who knows? Maybe you might take my blood someday. I don't know. Um, that might be the case. But seriously, I thought it was a, a, an amazing thing. But as I told you, I don't like needles and I don't like pain. And my only hope was that I could get this pint of blood out of my system without crying. That was my goal. I'm like, if I can like sit there, get this out, and I don't cry and nobody sees me tear up, that's a win in that moment. And so I cringed but I didn't cry. That's good, right? I cringed, but I didn't cry. I made it. And, uh, you know, thinking about this, that's, we, we sometimes turn this part of the Lord's Prayer into a version of prayer where it's like, you know, it's easy to turn this prayer and adopt it into, I want an easy life. I want a pain-free life. If I can have an obstacle-free, suffering-free, pain-free, needle-free, crying-free type of life, then that's often we read this line and sometimes that's what comes to mind or that's what, what we think of. And, and versions of this kind of mode of praying might go like this. God, I really would love a great marriage without any conflict ever. That would be great. Uh, Lord, I, I really want to climb the ladder in my vocation, but I don't want to really do much hard work. I don't want any, any obstacles along the way. I would just love to get this way. I'd love to get through school with as little pain as possible. I'd love to get through Costco without spending more than $100, right? <laughs> these are these pain-free, easy type of, and may the line be empty when I get there, right? So, so the, these are the types of things. Now, there was a modern prophet. His name was Bruce Almighty. Did you ever see the movie Bruce Almighty? Jim Carrey played the part, and Morgan Freedom, Freedom, uh, Freeman played God. And there's a, there's a part in the movie where where uh, God gives Bruce uh, his job for the day. 
And so Bruce is excited. He's like, this is amazing. I have all the power in the world. I could think of anything and it happens. And so he's sitting in front of, um, of his computer and, and he's receiving all these prayer requests. And he's thinking, this is awesome. So he's writing back to everybody. And then at one point he's like, this is getting exhausting. So he just kind of like clicks them all and presses yes and send. And so he's like, I'm going to answer everybody's prayer. Everybody's prayer is going to be answered. Now, if you watch the movie, you know that it turns into utter chaos in the world because he answers everybody's prayer because most people's prayer is all for them. And if it's just for them and not for everybody else, well, there's going to be some conflict in the middle of that. And so that's kind of how we sometimes see this line in this prayer. But the context of this prayer is tied to the earlier petitions in the prayer, the priority to petitions, right? Your name be made holy, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we start praying, give us today our daily bread, forgive us of our sins, and this line, lead us not into temptation. So your kingdom come, God's kingdom, and the kingdoms of this world don't always align. And so there's tension. There's a gap And when we pray for God's kingdom, or later on in Matthew 6, in the same chapter, we seek God's kingdom, often it creates a tension with human desire, and a tension with cultural ambition, or a tension with worldly powers. And that tension often leads to obstacles. And so when we ask the question, what is temptation in this context? Sure, we could look at it and say, I'm tempted to buy a chocolate bar, or I'm tempted to do something wrong. But it's really, it's bigger than that. The idea of temptation in this prayer is actually the word, and you might see it as a footnote in some of your Bibles, can be the word testing or trial, to be tested, to be tried, to walk through a trial. That's why I wrote the line, don't allow me to get to this trial. Don't let me be tried in a sense. So to be tempted is to have your purpose tested. To be tempted is to have the path that you're walking on be tried or tested. And to be tempted is to bypass your purpose and sometimes have the opportunity to actually bail on it, to leave, to let it go, to just say, forget it. Now, all noble paths get tested with temptations. If you've ever tried to be healthy, Doritos is the temptation against that path, right? And if you're like me and many people, you, you, you can't just have the recommended 17 chips for 80 calories. You gotta, you're like, I'm just going to have the whole bag, you know? And so, so chips becomes the detour of this path. And if you want a healthy marriage, well, selfish, selfish expectations often become the test, the temptations of walking that path. If, if you're called to business and you want to build a great business, shortcuts or greed or or not thinking of the other person might lead you off the path of what it means to build a great business where everybody benefits, right? And so there's noble paths that get tested with temptations. Well, life in God's kingdom is very similar, but in a a greater way. Life in God's kingdom will be tested. When we walk in God's kingdom or live out the kingdom life, we will be tested. We will be tested tempted. John 16, verse 31, Jesus tells his disciples, like, let me, just, let me just set this straight for you guys. You will face trials in this world, he says. I'm not going to pull any punches. You will face trials in this world. He does say, take heart, I've overcome the world. But he tells them right off the bat, you're going to face trials. When we live in God's kingdom or pursue God's kingdom in the middle of this world, which is a different kingdom, a variety of different kingdoms, 
we will face, we will be tested. And so to petition that God's will be done earlier in the prayer, to petition that his kingdom come is automatically sets us up to be tested, sets us up to be tried, to be tempted. And we don't often understand this unless our faith has ever been tested. And I remember a couple of years back, I went to um, Thailand, northern Thailand, with a few other uh, Canadians and, and Americans, and we went to visit church leaders in Thailand and in Laos. And Laos is just across the border of the Mekong River, and in Laos, Christianity, or the spread of Christianity, is actually prohibited. It's illegal. And so the people we were meeting have many of them were arrested because of their faith or, or had a run-in with the police because they were inviting people to understand who God was. And some of the pain that they shared and some of the stories that they shared, I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm thinking like, I've never been tested like this. I would listen to uh, a, young, a young female, probably 20, 21 years old, and she was the, the person in her village that was uh, helping uh, the, the church to, to, to flourish and be organized, and she was just sharing the pain of her, her young brother who was recently killed. And she's expressing the grief and expressing this pain and expressing some of the other pieces in, in what, that, what happened in that moment. It was so tragic. And yet later when we asked for prayer requests, one of the things she prayed for, she said, I, I, I would pray that the, in some way uh, the Lord would provide like an, a modest economical way for me to get a scooter. Why? Why a scooter? Because she longed to visit the neighborhood and, and share the gospel and preach the gospel and help people and, and meet people's needs. And I'm like, in the middle of this pain, her heart is still for how can we advance the kingdom here? And I was sitting there thinking like, I've never been tested like that. Wondering if my faith was ever tested. But our faith has been tested. It is tested. Life, living the kingdom life is tested. And Jesus understands this more than anybody because his life was tested. In fact, there's two scenes, one before this prayer and one after this prayer, where we see Jesus being tested. One is in the wilderness as the, the Spirit leads him into the desert. Now I want you to just imagine this. Jesus is about, in the timeline of his life on earth, he's about to step into his earthly mission. He's about to start teaching and preaching and healing people and going from town to town and, and raising his disciples up. And he's, he's basically going to do a show and tell of God's kingdom. He's going to tell people about the kingdom, and he's going to show people what the kingdom is like. And he's literally baptized into this path, because before the wilderness, he's baptized by John the Baptist. And if you read the scene, you know, God's voice is heard, and Jesus is affirmed, and it's as though Jesus is baptized into this step, this phase in his life, which would take him right to the cross. And he's led into the desert, into the wilderness, and we read there that he's tested, he's tempted, he's tried. And we can relate to the way he's tested, his identity, his identity's tested, his, the way he's affirmed is tested, his ambition is tested. Things that we deal with every day, he's tested in the desert. And Matthew tells us, as he tells the story, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 3, he tells us who's tempting him, and it's Satan, it says there, that then Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God allowed this to happen, but God wasn't the source of the temptation. The devil was. And then we read a couple of verses. The tempter, referring to Satan or the devil, came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This is one of his temptations. But what, why I wanted to show this is because Jesus was tempted by the tempter. 
In the garden, Jesus is also tested. Now, this is all the way towards the end of his life, just before he leans into the cross. And this garden scene has come up in our messages for some reason a lot the last couple of months. And, and here's Jesus praying intensely, so intensely with anguish. And one of the things he's praying for is not that far off from the last line of this prayer. God, if you could remove this cup from me, this next step, would you do it? Lord, lead us not into a time of testing. Jesus is praying, Lord, if you could remove this cup from me. It's interesting that he prays that. And so we get this sense, Jesus understood tempting and testing. He wasn't teaching us something or his disciples something that he was not already familiar with or that he was not also going to continue to go through. And he was preparing them and he's preparing us for moments of testing and trials and temptations in our lives. One commentator says that the testing experiences were normal for the disciples. It's just... They were tested. And if you read both the Gospels and the Epistles and then early church writings in the first few centuries, you get close to understanding what kind of tests or temptations or trials these early believers had. One writer, Craig Keener, says this, When we pray your kingdom come and then live into the ways of God's kingdom, we will be tested and tempted. And so the early disciples and then the early church and even today in the modern church, there was persecution. They were marginalized at times. And there's Christians on the planet. Maybe you don't feel it as much here in North America, but somewhere else on the planet that are marginalized because of their faith, that are not allowed in certain circles or certain opportunities because they follow Jesus. And they're, they're persecuted. And Disciples and believers will face obstacles and doubts. And you know what that does? It tempts them to bail. It tempts them to just say, I'm out. It tempts them to say, can I still do this? It tempts them to say, is this even possible? Can I go another day? What about my family? How am I going to provide for them? Or I can't take this kind of abuse or, 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 or um, you know, just these kind of attacks. And Jesus understands these temptations and jesus tells us the source of this and even as we pray this we pray to be rescued from the evil one jesus knows who the evil one is and he and other scriptures refer to the evil one as satan or the devil and jesus experienced the devil's tactics i know we don't often talk about the devil on a sunday morning but it's in the scriptures it's part of part of reality and jesus came face to face with the tactics of Satan in the wilderness. Jesus saw Satan's influences on Peter and the other disciples when they would want to neglect God's purposes or be tempted. Jesus told us that Satan tries to disrupt the kingdom message when it's, when it's sown into our world, like the parable of the sower that sows the message of the kingdom. And sometimes it bears root, but sometimes he says the evil one or Satan will come and disrupt the word that's been planted. So Jesus tells us Satan tries to disrupt the word of the kingdom being spread. And he calls, Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. So when we pray, deliver us from the evil one, it's not an imaginary prayer. It's not like C.S. Lewis wrote a, a really great metaphor for what the kingdom is like, but it's true, it's real. And we usually respond to evil in a few ways. We, some, some of us choose to completely ignore it. Like, it's not real, it's not, it's not a big deal, 
And so that's not very good because if Satan is real and Jesus tells us he is and the work of the enemy is real, then we shouldn't ignore him. But sometimes we just choose to completely ignore him. The other thing we do is we, I, we choose not to ignore him. We choose to completely get overconsumed with him. And all of a sudden, the devil's behind every corner and the devil's behind everything. And everything that goes wrong is the devil. And that because you spend 120 bucks or 300 bucks at Costco, it's the devil. You know, it's like... And so often... Uh, we, we get overly consumed with the devil and we see him and evil everywhere and we get paralyzed to even live. So we can ignore Satan or we can get overly consumed with Satan. The third way is we can get really self-righteous and say, well, I'm good. I'm on God's side. I'm going to fix all the evil in the world. And then we can get self-righteous and think that we're the saviors. We're the solution. Jesus took evil head on. When he came announcing his kingdom, the kingdom of God is near. When he walked into circumstances and people's lives and situations, he announced and proclaimed the kingdom. He came against evil and Satan head on. And then he went to the cross and rose from the grave to defeat the power of sin, the power of Satan. And so the power of Satan is real, but we also know that Jesus has come and came to defeat it and him. N.T. Wright says this, and it kind of goes on in lines with the ways that we sometimes approach evil. We either ignore it, get overconsumed with it, or feel self-righteous about it. N.T. Wright says, for those who ignore Satan, they never pray this prayer. Because if you ignore Satan, why pray deliver us from the evil one? And so often we ignore. We never, this line is a line of scripture where we just kind of scratch out and say, well, I don't really need to pray deliver us from evil. Some of us, it's the only line we pray. God, deliver me from evil. It's all evil. It's all the devil. It's all Satan. Deliver me from it. And everything is a, is a deliverance prayer. And the other way that we pray this prayer is we think we're the answer to the prayer. That's where we're self-righteous. But here's the beauty of this line in this prayer. It's not just by itself. It's inside the prayer. It's inside the kingdom prayer. It's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray this part of the prayer and then pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we become aware of the threat of Satan, but we're also confident in Jesus' power to overcome it. Amen? So we can see we pray this prayer in the middle of this bigger prayer. And so when we pray the prayer, this is something important. We realize there's also evil in us. There's also sin in us. That it's not just this Satan behind the wall. It's the fact that we're, we're, sometimes, we're plagued with evil. And sometimes it's the evil in us. But when we put it in the, in the whole prayer, we recognize God's power, Christ's power to overcome even the sin that we struggle with. And so we need to pray this line in the middle of the whole prayer, not just by itself, because it balances it out. Now, when we pray this prayer, when testing comes, I want us to just focus on this, because when testing comes, it usually is one of two outcomes. One outcome, let's say, on this side is, is a detour. When we're tested, when we're tempted, when we're tried, and we're walking on this kingdom path, that test or that trial will often what it wants to do to us and what the purpose of it is, is that we would detour off the path. We're walking this kingdom path, we're tempted, we're tried, and what's the temptation to do? Regardless of what the temptation is, it's often to detour off the path. 
And so we're, we're serving God in ministry, we're loving our neighbor, uh, we're surrendering our gifts to the Lord, whatever that might look like, and all of a sudden this temptation comes. Do I really need to surrender my resources? Is my ministry really that important? Is someone even benefiting from this? What's going on with this? Maybe it's a moral failure on our part, and all of a sudden the, these temptations, and we fall into them, they detour us off this path. They detour us off this path. But the other thing that happens, the other motive of these testings is not the detour, it's a complete dropout. Often we get tested or tempted and one of the temptations we have is just to completely drop out. And when Jesus is praying this for the disciples, encouraging them, he knows, and we read this in church history, they called it apostasy, that people would leave the faith, that people would drop, up, drop out out of the faith, say, no, I can't do this. No, this isn't for me. No, this is too hard. And one of the temptations when we get tested and when we get tried is not a detour, because detours we can get back on track. It's often a complete dropout. No, I'm done. And we've got to be mindful that that is the purpose often. One of the, I mean, there's maybe other things we can talk about, but that's one of the two main motives of testing and trials and temptations in our lives, to detour us off of God's plan or to be complete dropouts out of God's plan. And I'm sure right now, if you had the opportunity or had the opportunity, you could share stories, moments, when you were tempted to detour off a path that God called you to, where you were tempted to drop out of a path that God called you to. I mean, even just in the history of our church, even just starting our church, I can think back and think of moments my wife and I, before it even started, said, this is crazy. We're just going to scrap this. We're going to drop out of this plan. We're going to just detour. And along the way. And that's just in the context of church. And then inside that. But there's other parts of God's kingdom life for us. So, and this applies to two things. It applies to kingdom mission. That's already obvious to you. Obviously, I'm, we're in church. I'm going to talk about the kingdom mission. But it applies to mission and ministry and discipleship and spiritual growth and our generosity and church unity. Man, the enemy wants to disrupt all those things and wants us to detour off those paths or worse, wants us to drop out. So it, it affects kingdom mission. But you know what it also affects? And it's not as obvious. It affects kingdom living. It affects the way you live your life. Because the kingdom life is not only lived inside these walls or inside our church ministry. It's God's call to serve our neighbor. God's call to live a life of singleness and a purposeful vocation of singleness or a purposeful vocation of marriage or how we live our lives or how we build our careers or how we lead a company or how we work in a manufacturing plant. It's kingdom living. And sometimes the temptations will affect not just our ministry inside the church, but our relationships and our marriage and our singleness and our finances and our work, because we will be tempted to detour off of what it means to be a person of integrity in our work, to detour or drop out what it means to, to keep fueling our marriage or what it means to live a life of singleness, whether it's a season or ongoing. And we often get tempted, and it's a detour, and it's a, we're tempted to detour, we're tempted to drop out. So we pray this prayer because we know that this is the end game of, this, of these testings. And here's, when we pray this prayer, we're praying for a few things. And I'll list them briefly. So why pray this prayer regularly? The first one is pretty, you're going to like this one. It's to avoid. I mean, obviously, it's to avoid testing. Like, right? 
When, and, and, and you might think like, but we just talked about the expectation of it. Well, yeah, but it's true. When we pray this prayer, we're like, Lord, if we could avoid the test or the trial. Hey, when, when we launched this whole project to get into this space, I was praying, God, make this a clear path road. Lord, will there be no obstacles to getting? Why wouldn't I pray that? Why wouldn't you pray, Lord, would you just clear the path for this? If you're looking forward towards a relationship and, and uh, getting married to someone or whatever, you're probably praying, Lord, would you just remove all the obstacles from this? Would you just show me clearly where to go here? Or you're in a relationship with someone and you're like, Lord, I don't want the trials and testings. I hope that this can work out clearly. Or whatever it might look like, we're praying that, right? It's not bad to say that. When I pray for my kids, I'm not saying, God, God, fill their day with trials today, you know? Like, you know, just, just trip them up everywhere. Everywhere they go, God, just trip them up. They need some resilience. I, that's going to happen anyways. No, but I'm praying, like, God, will, will you just pave a way for them to live for your glory today? It's normal. We can pray this prayer to avoid the tests and the trials. You're not less spiritual if you pray that. Don't worry about it. I mean, if I'd rather serve God with less trials, Right? I'd rather build a family or a marriage with less obstacles. I'm just, I'm just admitting it, you know? And I would like to leave Costco spending less than $100. But, sorry, I keep bringing that up. Maybe it's a test in my life. So avoid. The next, the next thing, why we pray this prayer, we pray to understand the testings. We pray to understand the obstacles, to understand the trials, That's so vital because when we understand what the testing is doing, what it's getting at, what it's triggering, what it's trying to do in your life and break in your life, we can can walk through it or approach it or address it better. We also need to understand, is this from the Lord or, or from the enemy? Now, when I say it's from God, it doesn't mean that God literally brings the trial, but he allows it. But let me just tell you something. When God allows a trial in your life, it's to strengthen you. When the trial is specifically only from Satan, it's to weaken you. When the trial is sourced in Satan, and it's always to weaken you. When God allows that or wants to use that, it's to strengthen you. And so you need to determine and discern what this temptation is after. What is it after in your life? What is it after in your heart? What is it after in your journey? Where is it after in your vocation or your relationships or your ministry or your finances? Because you need to know, is it after your attitude? Is it after your actions? Is it after your relationships? You need to know those things. So understand it. When we pray this, it helps us understand. Now, if we can't avoid the testing, then we pray the next one. We're praying this to prepare for the testing because testing will come. And trials will come. And temptations will come. So when we pray this prayer, we're, we're praying so we'd be prepared for the trials that come. So we're ready for them. Right? You want to be ready for these trials. And then the last thing why we're praying for this is safety through it. Jesus tells us to pray. Yes, God, don't lead us into this trial, but, right, deliver us, rescue us from the evil one. Trials will come, temptations will come, testing will come, but the ultimate prayer is this, is that if we don't avoid it, we're praying to get through it. And so we pray this, Lord, would you, would you get us safely through this on the other side? Will we get through this and not be destroyed and not detour and not drop out and not have casual, casual damage here? Lord, we want to get through this. Jesus was the ultimate example for us in this as he walked through the wilderness, as he walked through the Garden of Gethsemane, 
the trial did come, the testing did come, and Jesus walked through it. And so he did that already for us. That's the beautiful thing, and we can rely on him and the power of the Holy Spirit to get us through it. So when you're praying this prayer, you're praying to say safety through it. And ultimately, this is the beautiful thing as we, we wrap this up this morning. We can become people as we pray this prayer in all its facets. We, be, we can become people, kingdom people, God's kingdom people who actually meet the world in its pain, who meet the world in its struggle, who meet the world in its injustices, who bring the kingdom against the evils of this world, who bring the kingdom against the injustices of this world. I think of organizations like International Justice Missions that frees people from incredible bondage around the world, and they, and they pray. Their staff prays twice a day. They have one of the most beautiful, intense prayer meetings of any organization I've ever heard of because they know they're bringing the kingdom of God against the injustices of the world. So when we pray this prayer, we also know that we can stand in the gap and meet the pain of this world where God leads us to. I'm going to close with just sharing something from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, if you've heard Dietrich Bonhoeffer's name, he was a man who was a pastor, a theologian, a professor during the time under Hitler's regime. And I slightly referred to him last week. And he was so convicted in his heart that what was going on in Germany at the time was so wrong. And even though some... Um, Christians got caught up with what Hitler was doing, he realized, no, no, this is not the kingdom of God. And so he worked and fought and prayed so hard against that to rally the church to live the kingdom life. And he went to prison for it. He was in prison. And you, you need to read some of his books and some of his letters. But he writes a prayer in prison and he actually says about the Lord's Prayer, you can find this, he says that the Lord's Prayer is one of the most important prayers we can use to shape our own prayer life, to just use it and live in it and live deeply in it and let it shape us. But there was this prayer compiled by him for his fellow prisoners. And I love that because here's Bonhoeffer in prison. He's going to be executed. He's going to be executed. He's standing firm through the trial and testing. He's, he, he wasn't able to avoid it. He wasn't able to avoid it. He was sitting in a prison cell waiting to be executed. And he's writing prayers for his fellow prisoners. And he, he writes this prayer. And I want to close with this prayer before we pray together. And I just, as we pray this prayer, I'm going to read it slowly and reflectively. And I think there's some, some lines in this prayer that you could pray any day. You can start your, your day with, these, with some of these lines because you will face some of these things. And you will have some similar needs, some similar petitions to share with the Lord. So this is his prayer for fellow prisoners. Oh God, early in the morning I cry to you. Help me to pray and to concentrate my thoughts on you. I can't do this alone. In me there's darkness. But with you, there's light. I'm lonely, but you don't leave me alone. I'm feeble in heart, but with you, there's help. I'm restless, but with you, there's peace. In me, there's bitterness, but with you, there's patience.
I don't understand your ways, but you know the way for me. Oh, Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for the rest in the night. I praise and thank you for this new day. I praise and thank you for all your goodness and faithfulness throughout my life. You've granted me many blessings. Now let me also accept what's hard from your hand. You will lay on me no more than I can bear. You make all things work together for good for your children. Lord Jesus, you were poor and in distress, captive and forsaken as I am. You know all man's troubles. You abide with me when all men fail me. You remember and seek me. And it's your will that I should know you and turn to you. Lord, I hear your call and I follow. Help me. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me faith that will protect me from despair, from passions, and from vice. Give me such love for God and men as will blot out all hatred and bitterness. And give me the hope that will deliver me from fear and faint-heartedness. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we pray together. I'm going to encourage you this week, as we've been doing the last few weeks, to focus on this one line of the prayer. We're going to just reflectively pray the Lord's Prayer together and end on that last line. And that's the, that's the line I, w- I would love you to reflect on. The, the idea is that every day this week, as many times as you can, just to read this prayer, recite this prayer. But throughout the week, reflect on that line. Let's do that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's just hang on those words for a moment. God, as we enter this week, that's our prayer. Do not let us enter into trial. Do not lead us into a time of testing. Rescue us from the evil one. So God, as we go about our week, and as we even, maybe in a fresh lens, look at the different trials or temptations or testing that we are facing these days, God, I pray that we can see it with a new lens, with new eyes, with new perspective. We're grateful that we can come to you and pray to avoid these testings if possible. But we also ask for your discernment in what they're after in our lives. And we pray, God, we pray, oh God, that you would help us be prepared because we know that in the midst of a world that does not reflect your kingdom purposes most of the time, There will be tension. And so we pray and are prepared for these trials. And we pray, God, when we do go through them, that there is another side. You will safely guide us through, God. May we be the kind of people 
who engage the world at the point of pain and struggle. God, we pray this in your name. And anyone here, God, today who is maybe wrestling with something, God, may we, each of us, right now in this moment, I just encourage you to do that as we're praying, just to give this to you. We give this to you. We invite you in right now. May we be people of your kingdom ready for this, but also trusting your incredible power. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.